1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Speed City with John Massingale, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed
2: City. Good
0: evening, Gearheads. Welcome to Speed City, your Sunday night with Speed City. We are very excited. We have a fantastic show for you tonight. This is John Massingale, and I am joined for the first part of the show by Jonathan
3: Green. Jonathan, exciting Sunday, man. I feel like a worn-out Labrador. been chasing (laughs) bikes and cars all day long and barking at them.
0: Oh, man, we we are going to have some fun tonight because we had Formula One in the morning. We had IndyCar, MotoGP, NASCAR,
3: you name it. And And then... yeah, and then Indy Lights, wrote uh, to Indy. Our uh, hey, our guest last week won Hunter McIlroy. Right.
0: Hunter McElray won. That's f- and uh,
3: Enzo Fittipaldi got tenth, right? Top tenth. Yeah, top ten. Brilliant. Yeah, really happy awesome. for both of them.
0: We are going to start off with some with some news about Formula One in the United States because tell them, Jonathan, we got a new date and a We're new city. We're going to Miami. Yeah, and not only is it going to happen, but it's going to happen fast. 2022. So next year, Formula 1 is headed back to Florida.
3: I'm really interested on the speed of which this announcement has come because it was only last week that we we heard a council vote um yeah. of 5 to 2 in favor of going ahead with it. And I kind of Went fine. It's you know it's in the count. You know it's in the 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 council have agreed it. Now they've got to go back to Formula One and negotiate it. And yet here we are four days later, and they've announced announced that they're coming. That's it.
0: You know I I think what could have happened is you know they when the first came out of the gate they were all excited and they told the world and then yeah a bunch of people in Miami said we're not sure we want this here too late yeah (laughs) so this time they did a little more discreetly and had their ducks in a row before they finally announced it.
3: So Uh let me get serious, Um, John. The the real big part of the news story is that it doesn't affect Austin. And I said that in our pre-show as well. Um, And what I mean by that is it will only complement Austin. And Dominicali has already been quoted as saying that they won't put the two races together. They want to see Miami in the second quarter, which to me sounds like they want to pair it with Canada, which is always June 11th, generally speaking. Um, might not be this year, though. Um, and that would mean that the October-November stroke, November date that Austin often gets would be fine. And also, it would mean that there is at least six months for American fans to be able to go to both um, if need be.
0: And I, I like that. I like the fact that they're spreading it out because what did they say? To maximize the impact to the sure. United States. But uh, also, this is going to be at the Hard Rock Stadium the um the complex in miami gardens so it's home to the nfl miami dolphins franchise of course
3: so well Stephen that, ross is a big player in, in all of this and has been you know you know right at the front front of front foot of this yeah
0: and you know we've been hearing about this for a year what well, we had the mayor of miami on last year sure. thinking this was going to happen so uh, it's look, it's going to be 200 miles an hour, they're saying 320 kilometers an hour, so 19 corners, 5.4 kilometers. So, uh, it's going to be a you know, sounds like a proper F1 racetrack built around the stadium on there.
3: Yeah, I'm excited, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and the way that F1 has kicked off, um, this season, I think, um, uh, this news is, I mean, it really is a, a great, I mean, talk about putting putting a, a spring in your step. That is a great bit of news.
0: Hey, so how many, you, see if you're, how good you are, Jonathan, with your F1 history. How many cities? will oh, this hat, dang it, you just read the story just like a, this will be the 11th location in the United States.
3: You're disappointed, aren't
4: you?
0: Oh, I know. You just read the same story I did. But yeah, that's pretty cool, man.
3: And, and if people are wondering why Miami, um, you know, Formula One is a European-based, um sport effectively and miami is without doubt bar new york the the, the, the simplest way to get from europe to the united states uh, and in terms of uh, a, a global audience i think it's only six hours five hours maybe um off european time so they could still run it effectively in prime time uh, in europe and still be local prime time here
0: yeah yep that's good All right, Jonathan, let's talk IndyCar, man. Uh, Ah. I want, uh, yeah, go ahead. I know you're excited about this one.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, honestly, I I remember getting halfway through the race going, I don't care who wins. (laughs) I'm just really enjoying seeing Jimmy Johnson, uh, seeing Roman Grosjean, um, you know, in the top 10. So hats off, vive la France. Um, But well done to Alex Palau. I mean, and, and take an Austinite to come through and win.
0: I know and how about the end holding off Will Power? Man, that is awesome, right?
3: Yeah, and, and I I actually felt that Will not made a mistake because he he rarely does that. And I would be the last to say, hey, tell him how to drive. But I did think he had a lot of push to pass and could have put Alex looking for his first win and his debut under a lot more pressure with about five laps to go by by using the push to pass. Um, but he really didn't um and I same for Scott Dixon but Scott you know was also sort of waiting in the wings to hope that Ganassi would take a one and three and they did and that was awesome
0: so what about you know the other big story for me was of course Grosjean coming in 10th he was in the top 10 all day he was as high as like fourth I believe
3: I don't think you could have done a better um debut than that um, I mean, <laughs> except for winning like Alex, but, <laughs> but, um, for, no, for Grosjean though, to come from a I mean, Alex Pelot uh, and, and I've got a, a side story here. Alex Pillow has come from, um, Japan and he did the reason why not that many people know about him. He did start in Europe. He's from Barcelona and Spain and he did the, you know, formula open uh, formula three did the usual stuff, but then he headed off to Japan where he did Japan F3 and then went on to super formula. And my side story is that's great news because, as you know, I'm involved in the FR championship here in the United States and the F4 championship.
0: Formula three, uh, Formula four, yeah.
3: Yeah, and Honda have offered the winner of that championship this year a chance to race in that series, the Super Formula Series. And if that's the kind of guys they're producing, let's hope it's an American who wins in FR.
0: Absolutely. That would be incredible. I mean, uh, you, you, we've, we've had so many, you know, what was, um, I mean, how many different winners have we had come through? Oh, I'm trying to think of the names, Jonathan, help me out. Um, From where? Uh, in the F3 and F4.
3: Oh, well, I mean, Dakota Dickerson, uh, Kyle Kirkwood, uh, Linus Lundqvist won in Indy Lights, having won almost every race last year. He won again this uh, this weekend. Uh, Benjamin Pedersen was also up there. So that's going to be an interesting battle in Indy Lights. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's there's some real talent coming out of both F3 and F4. Josh Carr won F4. Hunter Yaney is now doing Road to Indy and F3 So uh, or FR. Um, so, yeah, there's some big, big Americans coming through. Uh, we don't know what's happened to Logan Sargent, but he's going to bounce out pretty soon. And then, of course, when we turn to May, we've got um, Juan Manuel Correa and Jack Crawford uh, in FIA yeah. F3. Really looking forward to those two.
0: Hey, what about you? one of your favorite drivers, Jimmy Johnson? What do you think?
3: Oh, and how poetic was it that his, his old car, the 48 of Alex Bowman, won in, yeah. uh, in Richmond today. Uh, I thought Jimmy was great and um he's you know that was a re- i mean given the first lap incident which Howie avoided it, i'll never know but that's what years at talladega <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as, the, as the commentary said um give you a reference for but uh, he avoided the collision and and kept his nose clean uh, and did a hell of a job uh it, india barber is very similar to, to imola actually in that it's tight uh, we i remember when we first went there everybody went no way could you ever run indie here it's just it's just too narrow Uh, and they've been running there ever since because remember george barber built that track for 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 exhibiting his museum of motorcycles that's what it was there for and now it's one of the the great indie events of the year
0: i know that's that's great uh let's see that was a crazy crash at the beginning though man it really it was pretty wild and i was glad nobody got hurt too
3: yeah it's a real shame for joseph and all the press leading up to this weekend was saying was saying you know we can't We can't do what we did last year, which was we didn't do much wrong, but we can't let Dixon get away. And today that's what's happened. Uh, Again, Ganassi uh, have started on the on the best foot forward.
0: Yeah, that was a shame. Jack Harvey, one of my favorite drivers. He did good. He came in 11th right behind Roman Grosjean
3: and uh, Takuma
0: Sato 13th McLaughlin. That's what I was looking for.
3: Yeah, so awesome. good. Yeah. A great debut by him as also, and it's live now in both Australia and New Zealand, uh, as you heard Lee Diffie saying. And so there's a huge amount of interest for what he does, and and I, I know Scott. Uh, he's super guy, super guy.
0: Yeah, I got to meet him when he tested here at Coda last year. That was cool. He's a really nice guy. All, All right, go. Jonathan, let's talk MotoGP because we've got good. some Americans, man. I'm excited about this in in Moto Two.
3: Well, as you know, I've been doing Moto America for the last few years, so I know both these young men really well. Uh, one has been doing, um, has been over in Europe for the last couple of years, Joe Roberts, uh, the 23-year-old. Um, but he joined the Italtrans racing team, Calix chassis racing team this year, and that was the championship winning bike. Uh, and in fact, he gave his old bike uh, to the five-time superbike champion, Cameron Bobier, and today they delivered uh, in spades, uh, Joe Roberts just missed the podium on the last lap uh, and even had his leathers showing showing where he'd rubbed, rub, rubbed tires on his shoulder with the with the guys he was fighting with. So he was right in the mix of it, and he was having a great time. Finished fourth place, and Cameron Bobier finished ninth. Two Americans in the top ten at the world level, finally.
0: So, Jonathan, when was the last time we had two Americans finish in the top ten in Moto2?
3: You are testing me tonight. I... We'll hazard a guest at 2008, Nikki Hayden and Colin Edwards.
0: Ooh, yeah. GP. I knew, knew it had been a long time. So uh, so what about MotoGP, the big boys?
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a race of attrition. Um, Mar- Marquez is the big story. He came back finally after almost a year without racing. If you remember, he crashed at the second round at Horef, which wasn't that big a crash at the beginning of the season. Um, and then tried to come back the following week and then spent the rest of the season out. And he finally has come back on, on the Repsol Honda. Um, his brother, Alex Marquez is now with Honda as well with the LCR Honda. Um, but um, it wasn't the most auspicious. He started six and he finished seventh and his brother finished behind him in eighth. Meanwhile, at the front, um, it was fabulous. Fabio uh, Quattararo gets another win for France and now extends his lead. Um, but, but, But the reason being that, and he was pole by the way, um, but the reason being they were falling by the wayside. Fellow Frenchman, Johan Zarco fell, Alex Rins fell, Valentino Rossi fell, but he wasn't qualified that high. More importantly, Jack Miller on the Ducati fell and so did Paul Aspargaro. So, you know, uh, big high attrition rate um, at Portimao at the track that we're going to Formula One in a couple of weeks. Can't wait
0: all right well we just got a little bit of time left in this segment Jonathan. let's talk some nascar we got nascar coming to austin by the way we're going to find out a lot more about nascar in the next few days so we'll keep you guys up to date on our social media and stuff and of course we're going to be doing the broadcast here in austin we're going to be carrying the race yeah here tune in. In, yeah tune in and uh we'll be on the microphones at the racetrack at coda as well so but what about alex bowman taking the win jonathan
3: he is, he's the real deal. And I mean, you don't get that 48 uh, uh, without having real potential. Yeah. And I think Jimmy Johnson was, would probably have had a part in, in in sort of doffing his cap to saying, yeah, that if, if the name or the, the number is going to live on, a young kid like Bowman would be the, the guy to go. And he's come, he's a, he's a classic, he's like Jimmy Johnson. He's a classic midget racer, grown up on the dirt, in fact, runs his own um, midget team um alex bowman racing so um you know he's come all the way through arker and knn and so forth um and he's been right at the sharp end all season but what a season we're having more important yeah how we? many You've winners
0: got... how are we gonna end up with are we...
3: well <laughs> he, this is the eighth i think different winner i think truex is the only guy that we have won two races but um yeah another different winner uh you know we had mike Michael mcdowell winning the 500 um the only man who hasn't won, who's been in the top 10, if not top 11, every race. In fact, 11th is his worst result. Is poor old Denny Hamlin, <laughs> who, who's so wanted. He's a massive lead in the championship, but he hasn't won a race yet. He's won stages, but he hasn't won a race in 2020. And of course, when you win now, um, and this is the serious point, point, I mentioned this the other week, when you win in NASCAR, you, you get an automatic um, chance to be in the playoffs, right? So, but that's not all the places. The championship winner can may not have won a race, but now it's getting you know with, yeah. with more and more people already down for a place in the you know in the playoffs. Now the playoff space spaces are really few and far between, so everybody's if you want to be in the playoffs, you got to win one.
0: <laughs> all right, we are out of time for this segment, and uh, we go ahead and stay with us because we've got all the coverage from the Emila Grand Prix coming up next. You're listening to Speed City. Back after these messages.
1: Talk 13.7,
2: the right choice.
8: Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City.
2: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. We just watched the
0: Formula One Grand Prix at Imola. I'm out. Yeah, Amelia. out. The Emilia Romana Grand Prix. And we watched Max Verstappen win the race ahead of Lewis Hamilton. How exciting is that to say that, that Max won a race and someone else besides a Mercedes won a race?
3: I know. It, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of torn between the fact that it was a great victory, but the guy, the guy who came second crashed.
0: <laughs> yeah, crashed and made a giant mistake of his own accord. Bob, let's start with you. What do you think of the race overall? Well, we said before it started that anything could
9: happen. It would be wild and woolly, and it certainly was that. Uh, I was struck by how many mistakes we saw from very, very dependable drivers normally, thinking about guys like Lewis Hamilton and uh, and uh, Sergio Perez and on and on and on. Kimi Raikkonen and Max Verstappen, the winner of the race, practically had the car swapping ends on him just before the critical restart after the long red flag. So... Yeah. Well, I think there was a little bit of something for everyone in that race, and there's going to be a lot to talk about in the next two weeks before Portugal.
0: Jonathan, I was talking about the rain, and and we were were at the beginning of the race looking at the rain. I said, I want this rain to stop. And you don't ever hear us saying that in Formula 1. I wanted to stop because I wanted to see Max and Lewis and Lando and Charles Leclerc I wanted to see the hard racing that we actually did get to see.
3: Yeah, but and Bob's right. I mean, you know, you saw you saw those guys right on the ragged edge because of the track, the conditions and and therefore the ensuing um mistakes and we really did see the guys having to really push themselves to their limits and that's why it's even uh, more so that I think uh, Lando is the the driver of the day.
0: Well, it was, I mean, there's so much to talk about in this race. I mean, we had a long delay with the red flag after a huge crash with George Russell and Valtteri Bottas. That looked like Bottas, I mean, I'd look like George Russell was, that was all him.
3: Yeah, I want to get Dave's in- input on that one.
0: Yeah, what do you think, Dave?
4: I kind of i blinked and i kind of missed it and then i saw um russell running up to um bottas um just to see if he was okay you know from the bit i saw and then he he was <laughs> obviously um not quite asking that question yeah bottas told him he was still number one <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i have to say um you know i think Botas yeah, bottas was in front um, Russell w- went for the move, um, which, which he can do. Um, but he also did put his, uh, his two right feet on the grass. Yeah. And, um, I think that's the bit that made the big mistake in my opinion. Anyway,
0: I'm with Dave.
10: Yep. I agree.
0: Yeah. You're not going to put your, your right wheel under the wet grass and get away with that. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a big part of the race because we sat there and waited for that. And, but, but really, a, a great race from uh, from Checo up until his mistake, where, you know, walk us through that, Jonathan, when Checo Perez, you know, ended up making that mistake and passing into the safety car.
3: Uh, yeah, and uh, very rare, as, as again, Bob said, you know, especially with somebody of his experience and trying to bet himself in, did everything right yesterday, and yeah. Uh, even the mighty do fall, and and I feel for Perez because it was his first front row start. He had a chance to really kind of cement himself into that team and get you know the whole of Milton Keynes behind him, um, but it didn't happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to the start of the race because Max had a fantastic start. He immediately went around Perez, he winged and, it, and, and and went around uh, Hamilton. I mean, it was immediately that he was in the in the race, in the lead of the race, and of course. Hamilton and uh, Max were wheel-to-wheel, which is what we've been waiting on for years now, wheel-to-wheel, and then, really,
10: Hamilton made a mistake and tried to go too far and and paid the price. Exactly, and, you know, every time I see Max in a battle through a curve, I think back to Coda a few years ago through that 16, 17, 18 area where they they grew the berm for the next year, (laughs) but uh, he is such a master on the curves in those tight spec and you know when things are so tight and that's where i think things get exciting he played it well and he earned his spot
9: i would love to know from max verstappen whether it was a part of his plan at the start yeah he wanted to get away quickly yeah he wanted to beat lewis to the to the first heavy braking area but you noticed also when they started that this huge plume of water went up and sergio perez starting p2 just got Mm. you know drowned by this huge wall of spray that uh, that the two front runners for stopping and, and hamilton were throwing up so i wondered if that was a part of max's strategy to get out there just so he could see where he was going knowing everybody else was going to have to back out slightly because of a uh, poor visibility yeah it was great one great heck start. of a start
3: wasn't It had to be part of it absolutely <laughs> you're right i tell you what it also psychologically for the season ahead uh says to lewis no <laughs> the, yeah. the, the buck stops with me uh if i've got a competitive car i am not going to give you an inch and i think psychologically that was a, a really impressive moment um by verstappen to say I- i've come to play properly this time
0: bob what do you think that we've got these three cars we've got the, the red bull the mercedes and really the mclaren yeah i mean the the, the difference between these cars is negligible now
9: Yeah, I would say so. Uh, McLaren may be, you know, a half step behind, but that's still a huge improvement from what they've been in recent years. Mm So hats off to Zach Brown and Andrea Seidel and everybody at McLaren for what they've been able to do with that car. Of course, popping on those Mercedes engines probably helps a bit, but uh, it's interesting to see them taking the fight to the front runners and it's great for the sport.
3: Yeah, and Ricardo will get up to speed. I, you know, I, I mean, he hasn't had the best of starts to the season, but, um, you know, qualifying showed he's there and, uh, you know, better wind in in his direction and he could be there again.
0: Yeah, and then you throw in Leclerc in the Ferrari. I know the Ferrari is, okay, if the McLaren's a half step back, the, the Ferrari may be a full step, but Leclerc's so good that he could be in the mix every weekend just like he was today. Yeah.
10: You know, watching Lando, though, I kept thinking of his e-sport experience he's had over the past year and how there were moves there that I looked at more as something from the e-sport virtual racing he's been doing, the slide up on the right side, I mean, using every inch of the track to pass two guys in once. That's an e-sport move for sure.
0: You know, that that added... <laughs> it was such an interesting thing watching him in the e-sports. And maybe, the, like you're saying, the confidence that he got from that was... Uh, was was tangible? What it was a real a real thing. But um, but what about a start to the season, guys? The mm. first two races have we? I mean, okay, Bob, going back to your 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 experience in history with Formula One. I mean, this has got to be up there with some of the best first two races of the season.
9: Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, we have. It's directly the result, I think, the fact that we don't have one dominant team anymore. Mm. Yeah, Mercedes is probably still a half step ahead of everybody. But given the uh, the strength of the driver lineups and uh, and even the racetracks we're going to and the various conditions that we're facing and the the new co- uh, rules regarding things like um, aerodynamics and and the lack of testing really mm-hmm. kind of throws everything into a hat and uh, and you know this is what I assume they were going for the rules makers when they when they put these rules in place was to uh, give everybody a lot of questions and a lot of scrambling to do at the start of the race and uh and we've seen that through two races portugal is going to be really interesting again
3: you know we were talking pre-show about the rake and how red bull had taken advantage of the rules and aston martin were complaining and you know christian horner saying well you know that's not going to go very far you change the rules you change the rules if you design a car you've got to change around those designs but what's made it good is it's just brought the field closer together and yeah we have a fantastically competitive start to the year. Brilliant. Dave
0: O'Neill, what do you think about the, what I was saying about the the three teams at the top, about how the, basically just negligible between those? Uh, and you, you agree with that or?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, there's a couple of things to take into point really is, um, what is what's the new midfield? Um, and then, you know, as we've talked about is, um, as bob alluded to is who's half a step back who's half a step forward and i think that those steps are now quarters um, yeah. which is nice to see you know we're going to see some some close racing and also the other thing that's interesting is um i think there was a, a stat that um qualifying for the first time um since 2012 had had eight cars um within something like half a second or four tenths of a second since mm. malaysia 2012. So I think, um, as Bob says, the the rules have definitely done the trick. Um, we just need the 2022 rules to to do the trick as well. Moving forward, you know, with the uh, the huge gains that the top teams will have will have certainly stretched their legs when it comes to spending the money last year, um, forecasting changes and and moving forward. But anyway, as 2021 20, um, goes, I think we're in for a decent season, um, and I think the backmarkers in this case. Are the ones that are further away than before
0: yeah uh we got a regular on the line we got andy p <laughs> I, I know he's Surprise! i know he's happy <laughs> andy welcome to the show buddy
11: we're two races in and this could be the best season in 10 years by by no by and i'm not stretching this is awesome
0: now is that the mclaren fan talking in you or is that just the, the formula one fan
11: <laughs> i think it's both i legitimately think it's both because um, this fight at the front between Max and Lewis is going to go back and forth, and and you know great fight back and comeback from Lewis today. Um, you know he has the spin and you know you know cut through the field. Little gutted he got P two in the end, but uh, Lando made it hard. And hey, it's a McLaren podium, and that's super fun for me. So I'm just I'm I'm. Very,
3: very happy right now. <laughs> I'll bet. And hey, Andy, I got a question for you because I know how close and scrutinizing you are about McLaren's, uh, you know, progress. I mean, compared to what we've seen from McLaren in the last few years, and, and just forget Honda for a second, have you seen a car that's so planted, so looks so good and so controllable? He, there was not a moment where, I mean, even Mercedes in qualifying showed that the back end can come around with Bottas, whereas the McLaren just, it was just stuck to the floor.
11: I think that is the influence of James Key yep. um, having now two full years. Um, it would have been even even more probably better had they been able to have full uh, freedom to put the Mercedes engine in the way that they probably really would have wanted to. Mm. Um, but just given all of that, oh, man, I mean, it, half a step, you guys are not far off. And, and from, from where they've been to where they are now, it's it's tremendous progress. And it was tremendous progress this weekend because, Friday,
0: they looked like they were nowhere. Yeah. Yeah,
10: good point. I'm really interested to see if this is sustainable. I uh, mean, we see the McLaren chassis has looked good previously, but it, it was down on power. Now we've got the Mercedes power. If that's going to be something that plays out well for all the different tracks, or if that's something we're seeing here in a slippery track, uh, such as Imola. What do you think, Andy?
11: Well, what I would what I would say to that is They were, I mean, even in in the qualifying, and I know that that last lap time got,
10: you know, taken away because of the track limits thing.
11: But they were getting, especially in, like, the mini sectors, a lot of purple mini sectors, which I thought was very interesting. So, you know, I wanted to see, you know, if they could do it outside of Bahrain because they tend to go really well there anyway. This was not a track I was expecting them to do nearly this well. So, mm-hmm. I think it is sustainable. Hey, Good what call. about
0: what about Daniel Ricciardo? I mean, he's obviously a little slower start so far this season. What do you think Daniel's going to be able to do?
11: Once he gets kind of to terms with the car, I mean, the, the first race, I think he was very compromised by that damage. Um, and then in this race, it was probably really his first time at really mm-hmm. full race pace. And, and it, I think it's just, you know, a new driver getting used to the car. P6 is, is certainly respectable. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, once he figures it out, you know, Lando's got three years in that car now. So once Daniel starts to figure it out, I think the two of them
3: can can do some some really good things. Yeah, it's Lando's team for now. Yeah, for the moment, yeah.
0: Well, Andy P., thanks, buddy. I uh, appreciate you calling in. We always appreciate your uh, knowledgeable opinions, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, have a great one. Thanks. thanks. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll uh, remember we have some clips from our interview with Gunther Steiner, and we'll have some of those later in the show. And so we'll be back after these messages.
2: One in a Million, online at oneinamillion.com
11: Austin's Talk 1370.
0: Hi, this is Max Verstappen, and you're listening to Speed City.
2: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City.
0: Congratulations, Max Verstappen, and thank you for bringing us back. I want to go straight to Bob Varsha. I I have two questions for you. First, Bob, I don't can't remember who picked. Max Verstappen in our little pre-show pool to win. Who was that? Hmm. I can I can see by the smile on your huh. face. <laughs> he does recall that.
9: Ding. I don't recall, but Ding. he must be a really astute observer of all
0: things. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bob. You, Smarty you pants. win the the ten dollar pool. So the well done, mate.
9: Bob Brilliant. Did... <laughs> That's, that, that would be the most I've ever wanted to <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, on a pool. But honestly, serious... I'm in an IndyCar pool this afternoon, so go get him Roman grosjean from St. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Good call. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but Bob... I, one thing I, I wanted to mention, you know, we talked at Bahrain pretty extensively about this idea of a passing of the torch. You know, was it smart for Bruno Alpine to bring in Fernando Alonso despite his long break? Was it smart? For uh, Aston Martin to bring in Sebastian Vettel, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's interesting. Granted, the you know the data pool is very small after two races, but to see um, Vettel being outperformed by Lance Stroll, his younger teammate, Alonso being comprehensively outperformed by Esteban Ocon, and even Kimi Räikkönen getting it from Antonio Giovinazzi and Daniel Ricciardo, as Jonathan mentioned earlier, it's, you know, it's team Lando at McLaren now. Mm. So, you know, this time is marching on and it's interesting to see, and it puts Lewis Hamilton's performance in a, in a new light to have been there, be in your mid thirties and, for you know, Hamilton to do in the the, uh, Mercedes, what, you know, his uh, classmates, if you will, have uh, been unable to do in whatever home they find themselves in right now. I think is kind of illuminating.
3: And I would I would bring two questions forward at this point because I love I, I love to kind of stir it up a bit. How long is Vettel's place safe at Aston Martin? <laughs> and how long is Botas's place safe at Mercedes? And I know that sounds over the top with only two races into 23, but that's how quickly Formula 1 can move and certainly the the the, the ground underneath those drivers can move quickly. Um, you know, Hamilton crashes, makes a mistake, and still comes second. Where was Botas? You know, mm-hmm. and, and Vettel, you know, just not impressive. Hulkenberg's waiting in the wings, just announced.
0: Hmm. What do you think, Bob? Do yeah. uh, you think that these either of these seats really are, you know, possibly <laughs> in jeopardy?
9: Um, I think so. And you know, it's a two-way street. You know, a driver has to know in his heart, you know, that the clock is ticking. So, you know, whose terms do you want to leave on? Do you wanna decide, okay, maybe I'm not as competitive as I should be, so I'll I'll move on. They're still young men, they can go race something else for sure. Um, or do you wanna wait until the team says, look, you know, you're just not getting the job done, so we gotta let you go. Botas has been on a string of one year contracts. Mm-hmm. I would say he is very much the man on the hot seat right now. Um
3: especially after what
9: Russell did. Alonso and, uh, and uh, Vettel, I think have longer term contracts. And I assume they will be honored,
3: but yeah, the, the clock is definitely ticking. Vettel's obviously also, also a shareholder in Aston Martin doesn't do him any, harm. The one, the one, one, and we didn't mention, and I think is still to come in terms of changing the guard is we got a glimpse of it in qualifying Perez out qualifying his teammate. We didn't get to see it in race trim today in terms of Perez's result. anyway, but I think as the days go on and he beds himself in, he says he needs five races, I think he will be there. And I think, therefore, that then leads to can Red Bull put a a genuine campaign for the overall title uh, constructors? Ooh,
10: yeah. Yeah, I, I think they can. I think with the changes that they've got, as stable as everything was today for them and everything that was going on except for Checo's, you know, bit the squirreliness at times, I think Red Bull is a serious contender this year, back in it, much more so yeah, than we've it, seen in past.
9: But they're going to need a lot more out of Perez. And I'll ask you, Dave, when Perez went off behind the safety car, came <laughs> back on, and moved himself up two places in line to pass the two cars that passed him while he was out cutting the lawn, um, what happens on the pit wall when they see something like that going on? <laughs>
4: Well, I think the first, you know, the first thing is, um, you know, on a practical side, what's he collected up, and you know where the temperatures are. So that that would be what you'd be going through to uh, trying to manage that side of things. Um, And then the, you know, the rest of it is you'd probably just be doing a bit of. Did you see that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, did
3: that really just happen? You'd be (laughs) channeling your inner Gunter at that point.
4: Yeah, so it's (laughs) driver error essentially. You know, driver error. did it. you know, we had private buttons on there to discuss, but, um, you know, I think the, the, the interesting bit there is, you know, like we you guys have picked up on is, um, you know, Max gets it done. Um, he yeah. does make mistakes and when he makes mistakes, he seems to get away with them. Whereas Perez, you know, he was a, he was a top scorer for his last team for a number of years. And, um, you know, maybe he's feeling a little bit of pressure, you know, when he looks at that data and sees how quick Max is, um, you know he has to put a a decent or Herculean effort into to match Max, um, which is a good thing. You know it's it's good and it's, it'd be nice to see Red Bull challenge Mercedes for for a constructors. Um, but I think Perez has to settle down a little bit. He he does have that you know the the ticking time bomb inside him, so he just needs to be able to wait and and make his move. Um, but you know, fingers crossed, they they put it together and they are. a a decent um, match for mercedes i think he I think, sorry sorry
10: i think perez made a bit of a mistake and got away with backing onto the track to me that was an unsafe return to the track surface and with the group of cars that were coming along right there i i just felt like he got away with it glad he did but still i kind of felt like the uh track steward's director safety directors overlooked
4: that. What do you think, Dave? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, entering back onto the circuit while the race is going is always, you know, reasonably um, dangerous, I guess. You just got to make sure you, um, you're you having the, the comms from the pit wall with the GPS system to see where the cars are. Um, and again, you know, you can only give them as much information um, to when they make the decision to come back on. Um, but again, that's, you know, it's down to Perez. Once he's in the seat, he has to make the decisions. And he, he can only digest the information he's getting given and, um, you know, make the call. But he got away with it. I think he had a, a lot of schoolboys today, um, which which didn't bring any points.
0: Uh, I want to talk about Hamilton's race because, you know, he, he has spun off the track. or he, he went off track, went wide, and then got ended up right up next to the wall and then accidentally – Instead of hitting reverse, rammed his car into the wall and breaking the wing, breaking the wing, and still finishing second. So, uh, you know, you you the saved. red flag helped him because it yes, fixed the car. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. So it wasn't. But at that point, I really thought, okay, Hamilton's out. But right, the red flag helped him. But but you know, it just goes to show you you can never count out Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton.
3: And you wouldn't expect Bottas to do that. From nine,
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh Dave, I want to go back to you because I want to ask you about the Lewis Hamilton's pit stop. I did not see what caused him to have that slow. I mean, because th- at that point he had a what, a four second and plus pit stop and could have come out right next to Max Verstappen, but did you see what happened there?
4: I didn't know. I think it was maybe a sticky wheel or something like that. Um front, I, I didn't actually right, get I to from right, was it? Yeah.
3: It was four um, seconds, so it's definitely not their yeah. usual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Haas, he also...
9: Go ahead. Bart. He had to wait. I mean, there was traffic in the pit lane that caught up, too.
0: Yep. Good mm. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Haas F1 team had a victory today. Both cars finished the race today. So I saw them tweet that <laughs> a bit right... <laughs> at the end of the race and and uh
10: first you must finish <laughs> first you that must was finish. a cheap shot <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit of a cheap shot we're not making any friends today Musta uh, must have spin to first you must finish uh, yeah.
0: look man you're not going to uh, find any bigger fans of the Haas of one team than us but that's look, Hassanine. <laughs>
10: that
9: was well it, i mean it brings up another point which is that despite all of the the chaos and carnage we saw out there, we only lost four cars out of the race, yeah. two of them yeah. in the one big incident with, uh, with Botas and Russell. And then they called in Vettel at the end of the race because his transmission was going squirrely. So in terms of, you know, on track action, um, everybody did a great job just to keep the cars on the Island, despite all the spinning and, and all that other stuff. So it was, it was well
0: done. Well, speaking of Günther Steiner, we did get to catch up with him this week, and we've got some uh, we've got some clips from that interview. We're going to put the whole interview up on our YouTube and SoundCloud and stuff, but we got a couple of clips here, and I think I want to to play this clip. That's he's talking about the changes coming into this season, and this is a good one for the producer. Of this clip is Günther on the changes, and uh, we caught caught up with him like on Thursday of this week. So uh, let's hear from Günther Steiner.
12: No, uh, uh, hello to everybody. To start off with, uh, we we didn't spend the tokens because uh, they, they, we buy the suspension uh, from Ferrari and it stayed the same as last year. So there were, there were no tokens spent on that one. And Ferrari made some changes on their gearbox where they spent their tokens. Uh, we didn't we didn't do that, so we didn't spend the tokens. But uh, as you said, uh, we made the modifications for regulations for the uh, 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 for the rear of the floor. Uh, where there was some modification to be made, and uh, uh, you cannot see it, but it's a complete new bodywork because the engine has changed a little bit. Uh, so we needed to uh, to uh, address the bodywork, the radiators a little bit, but n- uh, nothing really big. But uh, uh, otherwise, we haven't done a lot of development, as I always said, because last year with the pandemic coming in, it put us in a bad place. Uh, we got out of it and we are in a good place again, but we lost uh, time in development. and. Uh, the only thing you cannot buy is time. So uh, we didn't have time to develop anything, and uh, therefore. Uh...
3: Yeah, I have got to ask you, Dave. Um, Wiley Old Fox, Gene and uh, Gunter, <laughs> or fool, fools, fools, parade that 2021 is going nowhere already. Um, I, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the, in the premium count on this one. I, th- I actually think what they're doing is actually very smart. What are you, What's your take on, on these decisions to, to, to sort of not make any changes, not spend tokens, not really develop the car?
4: I, I kind of agree with what they've done. They It's kind of what they had to do really was to gather everything together. Um, they got the um, the five-year for the Concorde agreement. Um, they've put a business plan together. Um, they've managed to scoop the money together to get going. Um, Gone back to Gene, I guess, and and asked him if he'd help out. Um, TV money has come in. So I I think they've done a good job keeping it together, kept a load of people in work, uh, managed to do a deal with Ferrari. um, And I think they need to get their ducks in line for 2022. And this year might be a little bit painful, but they're still there and um, they're getting ready for 2022. It would be my take on it
0: well I this is you know kind of unprecedented you don't see it very often but um, but look we, we do need to squeeze in a break I want to talk more about this and we got some more clips from Gunther too after the break so let's do that now you listen to Speed City live from Austin Texas back after a quick break
5: Austin's Talk 1370.
1: Hi, this is Jay Leno from JayLeno'sGarage.com,
2: and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio,
0: Speed City. All right, when we went right before the break, Dave O'Neill, former Haas F1 team manager, was talking about the decision of Gunther Steiner and Jean Haas to do what they've done and sacrifice the season. And here in the United States, that, you know, we don't really, in many other sports, we don't see that. And we're like, wait a minute, what the heck are you doing? Why, why are we sacrificing this? And we talked to Gene, I mean, we talked to Gunther about it, and he told us that Gene was basically like, look, guys, we, I'm not going to keep pumping this money in, and uh, we've got to do something about it. And here's where we are, and we have the money from Yurakali with Nikita Mazepin. And uh, I think that, you know, <laughs> I would much rather sacrifice the season than not have them in Formula One, first of all. But, uh, Bob, don't you agree that, that it is a, a bit of a, a difficult one to explain just to your casual follower of Formula One?
9: Yeah, it is difficult to explain, and I'm not sure how much folks, you know, want to deal with the nitty-gritty of finances and all that sort of thing. But what people need to understand is this is a very, very expensive sport, and if you don't have the financial wherewithal to make it work, then you're going to struggle. Now, granted, what Haas is doing, they are the first to do it, in my view. They've said, look, you know, this is a write-off. We need an all-new car next year, so we've got limited resources. We're going to devote them entirely To next year's car. And that's that's something that every team in the pit lane, right up to the richest, are gonna have to face at some point. How do we handle our resources, not just money, but you know, wind tunnel time and engineering time and design time, to next year's radically different car from what this year's car is going to be. Years ago, Ross Braun, when he was with uh, I think it was when he was with his own team, Braun GP, uh, and some rules were coming down about about what you could do and, and how much time you could spend in the wind tunnel and such. And he said, here's what we're going to find out who the really good managers are in mm-hmm. Formula One, up and down the pit lane. You're going to have to decide. We can't build everything we'd like to try. We can't you know, design everything. We can't go down all these different theoretical paths as to what's going to give us lap time in the car. We have to make very specific choices. And we're going to find out who the good managers are because they have to be much more specific, let's say, than they needed to be in the past. So, yeah, it's a problem for Haas, and they're dealing with it, but it's going to be a problem for everybody, I think, before this year is out.
0: I, I like the mitigant that they used, and that mitigant is called Mick Schumacher. Mm. Think about all the – you know, you you've got this excitement of Mick. You've got the name of him, and he's obviously uh, a great addition. He's hardworking and mature like we talked about in the pre-show. And he's a top F2 driver. Yeah, and he's the top F2 driver, so you've got – that mitigant against the Mazepin mess, the, the Russian side of it, and the, the lack of development and all that, I think that it, that's, that was a, a brilliant move. And if you put all those chess pieces together, I think you're right, Jonathan. I think Gunther is crazy like a fox. Yeah. So I want to play another clip from Gunther. And I think, Jonathan, you brought this one up. This is the—you you and Les got to interview Gunther about the, the Marinello. Why don't you set this one up?
3: Yeah, uh, like I said, um, Crazy Like a Fox. Um, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. It's not just two new drivers um, and, you know, uh, a, a completely new-looking car uh, with the sponsorship from, from Russia. Um, they've also invested... Um, they haven't changed their relationship with Delara. They've just started to build a facility which could house up to 80 people uh, right literally outside Maranello. And they've also got key staff from Maranello, because, uh, and it goes back to what Bob was saying, Ferrari have already started to realise that they can't keep all the staff they've got and they've actually handed, effectively on a plate, some of their good good guys to Haas, which will pay dividends because Haas can develop things for them. One of them is a chassis guy, which is where um, you know they were struggling anyway in the last couple of years. So, yeah, I asked Gunter just about what was going on behind the scenes um, in terms of sort of long term. Gunter, over the winter you um, had a few changes of uh, personnel, not just the drivers, but um, I believe you are either building or have finished um, a, a, a sort of a, a location near Maranello to, to to do some work for Haas there. Tell us more, if you can, about the integration of those people and what you're doing near Maranello.
12: Yeah, it's it's quite a long story, so well, I tried to keep it short. <laughs> uh, uh, last year, uh, when the pandemic came. Uh, our collaboration with Dallara, we we, we we wound it down a little bit it was we weren't complete without it but we wound it down because we didn't need it the development of the of the 21 car because we didn't know what was going to happen so now uh, uh, i would say about uh, uh, 70% of the people we had at Dallara are replaced now people which came from uh, uh of which came from ferrari and our own people and uh, We still have people at Dallara. We still have got Dallara's input. Uh, They they are still working with us. There was no fallout or nothing. We just uh, changed a little bit how we do things. And uh, uh, the people which now working... For Haas directly, being from Ferrari or being employed by, uh, or being seconded from Ferrari to Haas or being employed by Haas direct, uh, we will move into an office. So we are in the moment uh, in an office in Maranello within the facility of Ferrari. But in Italy, in the moment, uh, a lot of people work from home because of the pandemic still. You know, you cannot have all the people in, the risk is high. But once that is over, we will have a permanent office. Within uh, Ferrari Maranello, with about uh, eighty to ninety people there, plus the people which uh, still stay at Talara, which is another thirty to fifty people.
3: Wow, that's yeah. an eye opener to
0: me. It is. It's fascinating, isn't it?
10: What I
12: what think
0: jobs.
10: Yeah, what I think is interesting is how they are obviously kind of that partnership and that relationship is obviously strengthening.
3: Yeah, I thought and, the Alfa Romeo thing might pull it apart, mm-hmm. but it hasn't.
10: Yeah. And just the fact that that's happening, and now I'm curious about, okay, this, this is what we know is happening, but what, what don't we know is happening? How much is being shared between the two groups and reciprocating back and forth? Yes, we've got those budget separations between those two teams, but who's to say they're not trading items without spending budget money?
3: I couldn't agree more. And, and, and you know, they flatly said they're not developing the 21 car. Well, what, what, for our, what are Ferrari going to ask them to help them with?
0: Yeah, what do you think, Dave? I mean, you wasn't that long ago you were in in those garages. What do you think about that relationship?
4: Yeah, the um, it's actually pretty separate. To be perfectly honest, um, any trade of information is done through um, an e- an email server. So any of the emails that go between Ferrari and Haas have to go through. Um, That's cool. If you like a sieve, um, which the FIA read, see, look at. Um, so those those sort of things were, were done properly from, from the start. And um, you know, you can't get away from having a chat in the pit lane, but most of the things are Or a um, beer down the pub. A <laughs> beer down the pub, yeah. Um That's the most pretty, likely source of elite yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> um But yeah, I I mean they don't they don't they just can't get caught doing anything like that. It just doesn't happen that way. So um having the Having a room or a, a, a department within Ferrari um, is probably a good step. And having the key people that they have had to move sideways or up or down, whichever way you look at it, from the budget cap is clear, clean information, which you can you can um, funnel into your project. So I think that's why they've done that. And there's nothing wrong with renting a room from someone. So, so that blows Post- the conspiracy theory. Darn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there, there goes your theories, Les. Your black helicopter theories. There you go. Hey, I don't think we talked about it, but uh Lando Norris was chosen as driver of the day. Yep. I can't I can't argue with that. Nah. Yeah. What a I'm comeback, with- too, after being gutted after going over the line and qualifying. So, um you know what guys, we just have about a minute <laughs> oh, just literally a minute left. Bob Varsha, I want to get your take on next week, our next race, excuse me, two weeks, Portugal. What do you think of there?
9: Uh, I think it's going to be terrific. It'll be another, you know, very different kind of track. Uh, Probably more like Imola than Bahrain, certainly. Um, And it'll be interesting to see. Another track Formula One hadn't been to enough for guys to have really deep setup notebooks and so forth. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be exciting. Jonathan, have you been there?
3: Yeah, many times with bikes. Um, And as Bob says, it's much more like what we just saw. It's uphill, down dale, um, a lot of blind crests. Uh, It's a really interesting circuit, Portimao. And I think, uh, yeah, it should lead to some really good racing. And given what we've just seen in the last two races, I think it'll be a cracker.
0: I keep waiting for you to say, no, I haven't been to a circuit, but I don't think (laughs) I've been there yet. All right, guys, well, we are out of time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Thanks, Bob Varsha, Dave O'Neill. Thanks for our callers. And, of course, uh, we'll have a regular show every Sunday night. Go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. Find out how to listen to that. And we'll be back in the Formula One action in a couple of weeks at Portugal. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Happy trails.
10: Ciao, y'all.